Everyone's just like, ooh, this! Hannah! Nope. nope, no one's like that, just me. Okay. <laughs> Alright, well, great start. Great start. We're going to be in Galatians. Ha! Huh, look at that. Heidi made that for us. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, Heidi does do everything. All right, well, the subtitle says A Slave's Guide to the Free Life. What do you think? It's, it's metaphorical, the fence. I'll let you think about it. It's symbolic, I should say. All right, so who knows, what, who knows what trash talk is? How many of you have ever participated in trash talking? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Foosball, ping pong, soccer, well, show choir. No? <laughs> Is this a joke? Oh, offensive. Gotcha. Gotcha. Offensive. That's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Um, so what, what is trash talk? Yeah, Drew. You don't have to do it to me. It's just like, what is it? Describe hey, it. Hey, yo. My name is Nick. I have a young man's face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. I do have the baby face. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, trash talk would be kind of like putting someone in their place, right? Generally insulting, yes? Get in their head a little bit, right? Okay, so, I mean, is it in show choir? Is there, is there like trash talk between show choir competitions? No, just like gossip. I heard those guys. I don't know. Can't sing, I guess. <laughs> or dance. Yes, Alec. Oh, yeah. That's some good trash talk right there. From You guys seen the movie The Sandlot? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, believe it or not, we get a good dose of New Testament trash talk today. Okay? So the passage we're going to be looking at in my interpretation of it, is Paul trash-talking those who are opposing him in the city of Galatia, or the region, it's not a city, the region of Galatia, okay? So we are going to be studying Galatians under the title, A, Slave, a Slave's Guide to the Free Life, okay? So just to go back and do a quick refresher, what's the problem in Galatia? Who remembers? Yeah. Okay, they're turning away to a different gospel, which Paul says isn't a gospel at all. So what's the different gospel? We remember? Yeah? Um, it's talking about how um, the different gospel is talking about how, you know, the idea of the God, but you need to also do these other things. Okay. Yeah, so you need to believe the gospel, but you also need to do the Jewish law. You need to circumcise, you need to celebrate the Jewish festivals, you need to obey all the rituals, Okay. And so it's adding the Jewish law to the gospel. And the ones who are doing it are these Jewish Christians who have come into the church and are trying to convince the people that this, and in fact probably have already convinced the people, that this is what they need to do in order to be saved. Okay, and so Paul calls this a different gospel, which is not really a gospel at all. And so back in chapter one, we got Paul comes at him pretty strong, saying it's not a gospel, and then Paul, all the way through the end of chapter 1 and most of chapter 2, gives this big, long testimony of his own life 
and how that plays into his argument about what the gospel is. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I know that um, Daryl already covered uh, the first or the end of chapter one, but we're going to look over it again. He kind of highlighted serving man, serving God, but we're going to look at it again as it fits into the big scheme. Because this is like, if you can picture it, 110 all the way to 214 probably is like all one breath. This is all one argument that Paul is giving in that whole section, okay? So we're going to go halfway through chapter two today, all right? So Paul's trash talk. Um, all right, starts with this. Paul starts off in verse nine with this, and I think that everything that follows is supporting verse nine. Verse nine says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, I think what Paul is saying here is for those who have preached a gospel different than the one I taught you, let them go to hell. That's real trash talk, right? I didn't even feel comfortable putting it on the screen, so I didn't put it on the screen. <laughs> but I think that's what he's saying. Let them be accursed. Let them go to hell. That's where they're going. If you believe their gospel, you're going to hell. So don't listen and don't believe their gospel. And here's all of his reasons why, okay? So let's jump into it. First of all, don't you know who I serve? Don't you know who I serve? In verse 10, Paul is responding to the accusation that he is just so... You can imagine Paul's responding to things that these opponents have said about him. And so as he responds, we can assume what was said about him. So I think what the opponents were saying about Paul is that Paul's just a people pleaser. Paul's just a guy who is changing the gospel to make it easier for people to follow by saying you don't really have to follow the Jewish law. And so Paul's just trying to win friends. And so Paul responds by saying, don't you know who I serve? For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul says, I'm not just trying to tickle people's ears so that they'll listen to me, so I'll make friends, so I'll get a bigger church. That's madness. I'm no people pleaser. I am a servant of Christ. That's who I serve. And Paul says, don't you know where I got this? Paul's opponents were probably trained in Jerusalem. They probably went to Jerusalem to learn about the gospel. And they're saying, you know what? Paul's just like us. Paul was trained in Jerusalem. We all went to the same school. We learned it from the same guys. And so we are on the exact same authority. Don't listen to Paul. Paul's messing up the gospel. Listen to us. This is what the real gospel is. So Paul responds by saying, don't you know where I got this? Verse 11 and 12, he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here is, I didn't go to no Jerusalem school to learn the gospel. Do you want to know where I learned the gospel? It was when I was on the road to Damascus and a light shone in my eyes and I was blinded by Jesus himself who stood in front of me and proclaimed that he is God. This is where I got the gospel. I got it from the source. Jesus showed up in my path to give me the gospel. Don't you know where I got it? 
And he says, don't you know who I am? This is not really saying like, I'm Paul, the great apostle. No. He says, don't you know who I am? The opponents are saying that Paul is just another teacher of the gospel like them. But Paul is anything but ordinary. And so Paul says in verse 13, if you've got your book there, your Bible there, 1.13, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Don't you know who I am? I'm the guy who was at the top of the Jewish ladder. I was the best Jewish rabbi out there. And I was exercising that by going and seeking out Christians wherever I could find them so that I could bring them in chains to be either killed or thrown into prison. Don't you know who I am? And now, I'm the guy who's completely turned it all around. I'm the guy who was once trying to destroy the faith, but now who is fighting for the faith. Paul isn't just another seminary student. He's not just another pastor in the list of pastors. He's not just another teacher of the gospel. He's a guy who is fighting 100% against the gospel and now is fighting 100% for the gospel. We can't forget that. And Paul says, don't you know where I've been? Don't you know where I've been? Again, he's being accused of, you know, oh, he got converted and he went to Jerusalem and he learned from these apostles in Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John. Those are pretty big names, right? In the Gospels, Peter, James, and John. These are known as the Jerusalem apostles. And so they're saying, he went to the Peter, James, and John school just like we did. But he says, don't you know where I've been? Read verse 15. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anybody. So Paul's saying, I didn't go to any school. I didn't go learn what I'm telling you from anybody. Nor did I go to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So Paul's saying, I didn't go to the same school as these guys went to. I went off into Arabia. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, which is the other name for Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. In other words, I didn't go to Jerusalem. Well, I did go to Jerusalem three years after Jesus came to me. And I only went for 15 days. And I was there so short that the people in Judea, which is the region around Jerusalem, they don't even know who I am. They've just heard rumors that there's some guy out there who used to persecute us, and now he's following the Lord, and we glorify God because of that. So don't you know where I've been? I didn't go to Jerusalem. I didn't go learn it from these guys. And then he says, don't you know who's got my back? Don't you know who's got my back? Let's read verse chapter 2 now. So Paul keeps on going. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. Again, I didn't learn this in Jerusalem. It's been a long time since I've been to Jerusalem. I went to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before 
those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running in, had not run in vain. But even Titus, who is with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now that's a lot, but let's, let's break that down. What's Paul saying here? What Paul is saying is this. Don't you know who's got my back? I did go to Jerusalem eventually. And when I went to Jerusalem, I saw those great apostles that gave authority to these false teachers, right? These, these false teachers are saying, you know, we got James and Peter and John. These are the guys who trained us. And these are the pillars of the faith. And you notice how Paul talks about these guys as Paul keeps saying, I went up before those who seemed to have authority. But I don't care who they are. Paul's saying, I got my gospel from Jesus Christ himself. So yeah, I went up to Peter, James, and John. Yeah, they're big names in the Christian world. I don't really care who they are. I went up to them to make sure that we were preaching the same gospel. And I don't think we should get the sense that Peter was like, guys, I, I got to make sure I'm doing it right here. No, I said Peter, I mean Paul. Paul's not going up to them saying, I got to make sure I'm doing it right. Paul's going up to say, I got to make sure you're doing it right, Peter. I got to make sure you're doing it right, James and John. Because there's this rumor out there that you guys are approving of this idea that the gospel needs to have the Jewish law added to it in order for people to be saved. And I'm coming back 15 years later to check on you and make sure that's not true. And so what does he do? He brings with him this guy named Titus. And what's important about Titus is Titus is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's a Greek. Right? And so Titus... The, the poor guy that he is, Paul brings along and says, all right, boys, here's Titus. Guess what, Titus? Greek, Gentile, not circumcised. But he's a follower of Jesus. What are you going to do? Does, you going to make him get circumcised? And, and I'm sure Titus is standing there thinking, please say no, please say no, please say no, please say no. And it says, after a while, you know, they deliberate and they say, they added nothing to me. In other words, James, Peter, and John added nothing to what Paul was saying. In other words, they all agreed at this moment that the gospel truly is by faith alone. That there's no works that have to be added to the gospel. And so these false teachers are coming saying, we learned in the Jerusalem school, the same place Paul did, and Paul is saying, by the way, Galatians, guess who's got my back? Peter, James, and John have got my back. The very guys that the opponents say have their back. Okay, so don't you know who's got my back? And finally, don't you know what's at stake? 
Look at verses 4 and 5 in chapter 2 here. Don't you know what's at stake? He says this, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. In other words, everything hung on this meeting. Our faith hung on this meeting. If things went differently at this meeting, the gospel would have, or the church would have immediately split into two camps. One camp would have said, you have to practice the law in addition to believing in Jesus. And the other camp would have said, you are saved by grace alone. You don't have to practice the law to be saved. And so he says, don't you realize what's at stake? You are either going to choose a life of slavery where you have to obey the law to be saved, something that you cannot do, something that we've never been able to do for thousands of years. No one has ever been able to follow the law perfectly. Or you can choose freedom in Christ, where you are saved by grace and not by anything that you do. And he says, in this moment, they did not yield so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. So they are preserving the very essence of what the gospel is for these people. All right, so this is a, a little New Testament trash talk, okay? So we go back to the top here. The, all of this is supporting this point. Paul is saying, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So let's talk about this. How does this apply to us? What does this matter for us? Well, the problem the Galatians are facing is that they're doubting, they're questioning, they're critiquing, and ultimately they're leaving the faith that Paul has taught them. They're leaving the gospel that they have been taught. And this is a major problem here and now, especially in your age group. In your age group, there are studies that show that 70% of youth who attended church for at least one year in high school stop attending church when they go to college. 70%. And it shows that while many of those after college decide to come back to the church, one out of every five of those who stop attending church completely abandon the faith. 20% don't ever come back to following Christ. Showing that in our church, in our situation, in our day and age, we have the exact same problem as the Galatians. We are quickly persuaded to leave the true gospel. And so I'm going to open it up here for a second. I'm going to ask, why? What do you guys think the reasons are for why students, when they go to college, leave the faith? Why do they stop going to church? What do you think? All right, mom and dad aren't breathing down your neck anymore, right? You're not taking them. Good. Okay. Don't want to be that one guy. Sure. Okay. We're too short-sighted to see like the benefits of like patience. We just want what's best for us now. Okay. Yeah, and that you know this is this is phenomenon is not absent from Christian colleges. Okay, this is Wheaton College. This is Cedarville. This is every college. Yeah. Too lazy to go find church in the Exactly. For the first time, no one's going to wake them up on Sunday morning, and so they're just going to keep sleeping. 
I'm too busy for it. Right. Good. Drew, what do you think? Maybe the job prevents them from going. Right. Maybe they get a job that prevents them from going. Yeah, and he's stayed out too late. Exactly. Just stayed out too late. Don't really want to go. Too much effort to start over in a new place. Yeah, it's just too, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. I got to go be around people I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's a Christian college that they're already getting, like, a Christian aspect yep. in their life. Totally. I heard my friends say that all the time. I have to go to chapel three times a week. Why would I go to church? You know, I'm already going to chapel. Okay, so in studies, here are some of the things that they found. They said that they believe that they're too busy or they prefer to sleep in on Sundays. This is what studies have found, the reason students stop going. You guys are right on that one. Um, they never really understood the gospel. They saw it as a list of rules and they reject it as legalistic. Okay, so their whole life in youth group, they thought... You know, their youth pastor was just saying, do this rule, follow us, don't have sex before marriage, don't drink, don't do drugs, you know, don't cuss. That's what Christianity is. So if you hear me saying that, that's wrong. That's not what Christianity is. That's a complete opposite of what Galatians is saying. Okay, the gospel is freedom. It's not a list of rules that you have to keep. But students who grow up thinking that, they get to college and they're like, I'm done with all the rules. What they don't realize is, it's not rules. It's grace that they're leaving. Okay? We've got another one here. They felt like the church had no answers to their doubts. They came to church week in and week out as a high school student. And why does God let people suffer? Why does God say, I can't have sex before marriage? Why does God um, say that Christianity is the only way when there's all these other ones out there? Okay, and they have these doubts about their faith. And either the church never addressed those doubts. They'd come to a leader and they'd ask him and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's a good question. Huh? You just read your Bible more. I don't just try to avoid it. Or they never asked them in the first place. They were afraid to ask those questions. So the church has to be a place where we're willing to ask those questions and engage them. Um, they don't like that Christianity says it's the only way to heaven. They don't like the fact that it's portrayed throughout society as being homophobic or racist or bigoted or sexist. They don't like that it says we have the truth and other people don't have the truth. That's offensive. The reality is it's true. It's not meant to be offensive. The truth shouldn't offend us if it's actually True, that's one we could talk about more. Another one is um, they can't answer the objections to their faith that come from, let's say, evolutionists or atheists or philosophy classes. They go into a philosophy class and their professor says, prove God exists. And he's got Plato and he's got Aristotle and he's going to tell you all about why you're a dumb person for being a Christian and you don't have any answers or maybe what culture has to say. And so they go off to college and they're met with all these ideas they don't know what to say, and they have no response to them. And at the bottom line, the number one reason why people leave the church is because their faith is not their own. They've come to church for 18 years simply because their parents pushed them into the car, drove them here, and then drove them home. And at no point have they ever made their faith their own. So why would they make their faith their own when they go off to college, when they're finally free from their parents? They won't. So these are the main reasons why students leave 
the church. So the question is, how can you have sticky faith? Okay, there's a book that was written recently about sticky faith. In other words, faith that sticks. It sticks with you when you go to college, okay? And so we're going to look at Paul's example, and then we're going to be done, okay? Well, Paul is arguing with the Galatians to convince them that the gospel he taught is true. It's one worth having sticky faith for, okay? And so he does this in three or four main ways. I think I have four. First, he points to his relationship with God. Paul says, am I a servant of man? Am I a servant of Christ? How can we have sticky faith? We have to have a real relationship with Jesus. Paul's saying, I'm not doing this for myself. There really is a God out there, and I really have a relationship with him, and I really follow him. And the studies show that students with sticky faith are raised in a faith culture that emphasizes a relationship with Christ as opposed to an adherence to a set of rules. That your faith, that your Christianity has to be rooted in a relationship not in, here's all the good things I do or all the bad things I don't do. So I have to ask you, is your faith relational? When you talk about God, do you have emotions about God? Do you feel affection for Jesus when you learn about him? One of the ways that we can get relational faith is through prayer. How can we expect to have a relationship with someone if we never talk to them? How can we expect to have a relationship with someone if we, if we never engage them? We don't. That's not a relationship. Like You know a lot about your favorite sports star or your favorite pop star. You don't have a relationship with them. You can know a lot about them, but you've never talked to them. You can have that same relationship with God where you know a lot about him, but you don't really have a relationship because you've never talked to him. Do you pray? I mean, what, we keep coming back to this, and I don't want to make you feel like, oh, well, it's a prayer run again, but let's, let me think about that. You call someone your friend and you don't talk to them. We have to be people who pray or else we're in danger of losing our faith the second we walk out the door and head off to college. We have to be people who ask God for help, who pursue knowing him. Okay, then Paul goes on to talk about his personal changed life. He talks about his testimony, doesn't he? He tells them how I used to be a great enemy of the church, and now look, I'm someone who actually follows Christ and pursues leading people into the church. And so you have to ask yourself, do you have a changed life? Do you have a changed life for following Christ? Since following Christ, since saying I am a Christian, since praying at the end of your bed with your parents or however you came into the faith, has your life changed? This is one of the reasons we chose the verse Romans 12, 1 and 2 as our theme verse, that we should be pursuing lives that are being transformed by the Spirit, that we should be able to say, I'm not the same person I was last year, two years ago, 10 years ago. I'm a different person because Christ is at work in me. But if you look at yourself and as you examine yourself, if your life hasn't changed at all, well, you need to start asking yourself, have I really accepted Christ? Am I really following Christ if my life has not changed at all? Paul was able to step back and say, if you want to know if this gospel is real, look at my life. I used to be at the top of Judaism. I used to be the head persecutor of the church. And now I'm following it and I'm teaching everybody else to follow it. 
Has your life changed? Are you asking God to change your life? Can you look at the way that you used to talk, the words you used to use? Can you look at matters of purity? Do you see growth? Do you see change? Can you look at your pride and say, man, I used to just think I was everything. I used to only think about me. And by God's grace, that's, that's changing. Yeah, I'm still proud. I still wrestle with pride. But it's changing. I've learned humility. I'm a little more self-aware. Or anger. Man, I used to just flip out at the drop of a hat. But now God has shown me how to control my anger. And yeah, I still have troubles, but I'm definitely growing. Do you see the Spirit at work in your life? And then I forgot to put any more on the page there, so let's just keep going here. <laughs> um, last, he says, uh, Paul points to respected brothers in the faith who support him. So students with sticky faith are, people, are surrounded by a faith community. Studies show that those who stay in the faith have developed strong relationships with those who, in particular, are older than they are. Do you have this? Are you letting people into your life? You have small group leaders who have chosen to be small group leaders because they want to have an impact in your life. Do you come to small group and give one-word answers and never open up about yourself because you don't really want to let them in? You have parents who want to be in your life. You have friends who have parents want to be part of your life so that they can encourage you? Or do we just say, oh, it's just so awkward when they ask me, how am I really doing? What do you care? Why, I, you know, it's personal space. Leave me alone, right? But the reality is when we want to be left alone, we don't develop this type of strong faith. We don't realize the blessing of it so that when we go to college, we say, Man, I gotta get in a church, I gotta get plugged in, I gotta find people who are gonna help pour into me and disciple me because I want to keep following Christ. Are we pursuing those relationships? And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all of this is gonna depend on who you choose to listen to. The Galatians chose to listen to these teachers who came in and said, follow the law in addition to the gospel. And there's a whole lot of people out there in the world who are going to teach you that you need to either add this to the gospel or take this away from the gospel, or just go in a completely different direction to the gospel, who are you going to listen to? Paul warns us that if we choose to listen to anyone other than Christ, that we are choosing a life of slavery, that we're choosing to be enslaved, and only freedom is found, you're only in God's word, only in the gospel of grace do we find true and genuine freedom. So I encourage you this week to consider um, these things. Consider, do I have a changed life? Am I pursuing people to be speaking into my life? Who am I listening to? And um, am I pursuing a real relationship with Jesus? To have a real relationship. Let's pray that we have those things and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, thank you for these students. Thank you for your word. Thank you that... Some matters in life are so black and white that your gospel is meant to be taken as is, alone, without adding anything to it or taking anything away from it. Help us, Lord, to have sticky faith, to have the faith that accepts that gospel and that pursues a genuine relationship with you, that pursues genuine relationships with those in the church who want to speak into our lives and help us to have true faith. 
Help us to have testimonies of a transformed life. Help us to be able to look back on our lives and say, look at all Christ has done for me. I am not the same that I used to be. And ultimately, help us to choose and see that listening to you and to your word is the only path of life and that we would not listen to those around us who would lead us away from it. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, have a great rest of your day. Moms and munchies on Wednesdays.